glad that you're listening to this podcast. This podcast is a ministry of the Bonners Ferry Baptist Church and of Pastor Devin Neal. Take your Bibles and I go to the book of Jude in the New Testament, right before Revelation, the book of Jude, and you can uh, pick any chapter you want in the book of Jude, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, only, only like two of you thought that was funny, so that must have either been used before or just I'm not that funny, and uh, so uh, but I tried, I tried, just give me props for trying, right? And Jude, and we're going to look at just a few verses tonight, right towards the end of the chapter here, or the book of Jude. And we're going to look at verse number 21, 22, and 23 tonight. Jude, and verses 21, 22, and 23. And here's what the Bible says, the Word of God. It says, Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And of some have compassion, making a difference. And others, save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. And it's very interesting. Here it talks about having compassion, making a difference. And, uh, and then it talks about those that you have compassion. You'll weep over and you'll try and you'll work at some things. And uh, your compassion win, wins them over. Uh, your tears win them over. And then it says, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. In other words, you know, uh, there's no tears necessarily there. It's just an emergency situation, right? And you're just kind of yanking them right out of the middle of the fire. And can I say, in all of our lives, every once in a while, we'll go through a fire and uh, an emergency-type situation that will take place. And I'm not talking about just our homes being on fire as far as physically. I'm not talking about the mountainside being on fire, and this is fire season, right? I'm talking about spiritual emergency, some things that take place. It could be that a marriage is on fire, and I'm not talking about a good fire. It could be that uh, a parent is struggling with their children, and uh, it's on fire, so to speak. It could be a job or financial situation, and it's not looking good, and you could say it's on fire. And uh, we want to put out that fire, but, you know, every once in a while, circumstances will come up, and it'll, it'll just kind of blow up. I mean, it'll get beyond what we ever thought it would be. And tonight what I'm going to do is I'm going to try and be very practical, but I'm going to use an illustration from a fire that happened 73 years ago in Montana. The, the Lord Jesus Christ is the master at parables, right, giving a story uh, to portray one main truth. Now, I wish I was good at the, at the, Lord, as the Lord Jesus Christ with parables and portraying one main truth, but I've got several truths that I'm going to take tonight from this fire that took place, some lessons that were learned during that fire and make application to our lives, if I could, tonight. And so you just bear with me as I walk through through a story here just momentarily, and then I'll give you some practical things. And uh, if you amen and things like that, I preach faster. And so if you're hungry tonight, you amen a few times. If you're tired tonight, you amen a few times. It'll keep you awake, and it'll keep me going faster, and you'll get out of here sooner, all those types of things. And, but let me, before I go any further, let me pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for the opportunity to preach your word, and I don't stand behind this sacred desk, this pulpit, uh, or lightly. And uh, what has been done over the, the years, the course of this church uh, behind this pulpit is just quite amazing. And Lord, uh, Father stands behind this pulpit every week, uh, not a perfect man, but a man of integrity, I believe, a man who walks with you and talks with you, and tries to do his best for you, and holds to the holds to the word of God, uh, even when it's not popular or 
uh, when people don't like it and, uh, and even causes sometimes uh, a rift, but he holds to the scriptures. And, Lord, I appreciate his friendship. I appreciate his integrity. Um, I appreciate, Lord, his vision. And, Father, I pray you bless uh, Pastor Neil and his dear family. God, I ask that now as I, 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 I begin to preach that you would fill me with the Spirit of God. That's what I desire. I don't want to do anything that would be dishonoring to you, and I want your power on this thing. And so, Father, help me to be a help tonight. In Jesus' name, I pray and ask these things. Amen. So there was a fire about 73 years ago, spotted uh, on August 5th, 1949, at about, oh, noontime, just a little bit after noontime, up near the Helena area of Montana. That's our state capital. Uh, most of you probably already know that and know right where that's at. But just outside of there, there's a wilderness out there. And uh, in this mountainous area, it's very rugged, and it's called the Gate of the Mountains Wilderness. And uh, there was somebody on a tower, and that, their job back then was to spot fires. And so they were looking uh, for a fire, and they saw smoke, and so they radioed, hey, listen, we're going to need to put this out. They did things a little bit different back then. They tried to get on things a lot faster uh, than they do now. They let them burn in those wilderness areas. But these men were called in from Missoula. Some smoke jumpers were called in from Missoula. And as they came into that area, the, the air was so turbulent in that area that one of the smoke jumpers got sick, and when they landed at Hale Field uh, to get kind of regrouped, he quit. <laughs> it was so turbulent. He said, no, that's, this isn't for me. And, uh, but there was 15 others that said, you know what, we're, we're going to go and we're going to fight this fire. And so they loaded back up with all their equipment, made sure they had everything that they needed, and they got up into the air, and they began to go towards what is known as Man Gulch, and that's the name of the fire, the Man Gulch Fire. And they circled several times around that fire, kind of trying to assess it from the air. And then they would jump about three guys, three to four guys at a time. You couldn't get everyone jumping out uh, at the same time, but three, four guys, they'd jump out and parachute out. And there's a man named, uh, who was the foreman, named Wag or Wagner Dodge. And uh, he went by the name Wag. And he was the foreman, and he was the leader. And so he actually jumped first. And when he hit the ground, uh, he went right away to uh, go up the hill and try and get a vantage point and assess the fire from that vantage point there. Meanwhile, other men were still jumping and uh, getting, and they were kind of scattered because of the way the wind was. They kind of scattered all over the hillside. And uh, then their equipment was dropped. And when their equipment was dropped, uh, their radios hit the ground so hard the parachute didn't open like it should have, and the parachute didn't open, and so their radios were broken. And that's not a good thing, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. But they, uh, as Wag Dodge went up the hill, he began to hear a voice, and a voice that was yelling to, the, to these firemen, these smoke jumpers from down the hill. There was another man uh, there named Jim Harrison, and Jim Harrison uh, had been a smoke jumper, and he quit because his mom said that's too dangerous for you to do, and so he actually quit. And uh, but he he liked the woods and he liked the Forest Service, so he's actually down on a campground there, and he was supposed to upkeep that campground. Well, when that fire started, he headed up the hill and he began to fight the fire all by himself. And for several hours, he was up there fighting that fire all by himself with what what he could do. And uh, pretty soon, now Wag Dodge uh, met him, talked to him. They said they got to another vantage point, assessed the fire. And they made a game plan on what they were going to do. They were going to, they were going to move the men kind of down uh, around the hill, uh, side hill around, and begin to fight the fire and uh, kind of push it 
as far as they could, kind of moved themselves downhill towards the river. Well, while they were doing that, uh, the fire uh, jumped from where it was at, jumped across uh, the slope and onto another north slope, and then the winds came off the river there the, the, and began to push that fire and change the direction of that fire at a very rapid pace. And when that took place, uh, Wag Dodge ordered his men and said, Hey, listen, we've got to get up the hill. This thing turned on us, and now it's coming back up the hill instead of burning down uh, towards the hill. And so they, uh, they began to travel up the hill as fast as they possibly could. And uh, at one point, Wag Dodge turned around and looked, and the, the fire was about 500 yards away. And then 10 minutes later, it was only 200 yards away. They say that it was traveling uphill at about 70 miles per hour covering, covering ground. Now, nobody's going to outrun that. And as a result uh, of that, Wag Dodge, knowing that they weren't going to outrun this thing uh, with all the equipment that they had, uh, he ordered his men to drop their packs, all, the, all that was heavy, and just, hey, let's begin to get up this thing as fast as we can. Well, some of the guys uh, yelled at him. And some of the guys cursed him and all those types of things. Some of them just refused. They wouldn't drop their packs. Others uh, had uh, dropped their packs already before he even said anything, which actually kind of surprised them a little bit uh, because that's not what they're supposed to do. And then he turned around again, and he saw, listen, we're not going to make it up this hill. So he stopped and did something very unusual. He stopped in this grassy open part of the hill, and he lit a fire around him. And our modern terminology is this. They call that a back burn. And he lit that grass on fire. And he told the guys, hey, guys, come to me and get right here, right where I'm at. And there's guys that literally cussed him out, and they just kept moving up the hill. Well, Wag Dodge, he got down. He pulled his coat over the top of him, got as close to the ground as he could. And that fire came sweeping up there with intense heat. But because he had burned all that grass that was around him, he survived. Uh, there was two other men that survived this fire out of the 15, along with Wag Dodge. They got into a rocky area, kind of, and, they, and, the, and the fire... They would bounce back and forth in this kind of um, what they would call a, um, a what would they call it? a slide is what they would call it, and uh, they would bounce back and forth between the slide. And pretty soon they got in a crevice of some rock and just huddled back in there as far as they could huddle back in there, and they were able to survive the fire. But only those three men. And uh, what happened when that when that fire jumped that ridge and then the wind blew? They they call it a blow up. That's what it did. It blew up the fire. I mean, it was well within reasonable working as far as when they dropped in. It was reasonable, but then all of a sudden the fire just blew up. And, uh, and so they had to do some things. And there's some lessons, I believe, that we can learn from that fire, uh, practically speaking, and uh, apply it to our spiritual life. And so, you know, sometimes blow-ups happen. Sometimes circumstances are much further beyond our control, something we can't help. And, uh, but what do we do when something like that happens? If life throws us uh, a circumstance that's just so tremendous that we can't handle it, it blows up on us, so to speak. We've tried, been trying to do everything right, uh, and we can't. What do we do with that? And so let me give you some practical things, and we'll go uh, home tonight, and I pray that it will be a blessing to you. So let me give you the points tonight of what to do in a blow-up. Number one is this. Make proper assessment of the situation. Make proper assessment of the situation. Remember, as I gave this story, this account, uh, they circled over that fire several times to assess what the fire was doing. And then when they dropped in, the foreman went, ran up the hill and he got
got to a vantage point to assess what was going on. In fact, when it blew up, he was at a vantage point where he saw what was taking place and he was able to get to his men, call to them, and get them to at least go up the hill uh, where he was at. By the way, listen, without that, those men below him, they would have died right there and then they wouldn't even had a chance because they didn't see it coming. They didn't have the vantage point that he had. Uh, part of the uh, necessity of getting through any kind of blow-up or any kind of problem is to stop for a moment, get to a vantage point where you can see or assess the situation and, and make a proper assessment of that situation. A lot of times when people are in the thick of things, they don't look at the problem, they don't look at the, look at the situation, they don't assess the situation, they simply react and there they go down in the fire, so to speak. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter number 22, and verse number 3, it says, A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself from it. But the simple pass on and are punished. By the way, that is said twice in the book of Proverbs. In Proverbs chapter 22 and in Proverbs chapter number 27. Twice. Uh, and by the way, God used King Solomon, who is known as the wisest man that ever lived outside of the Lord Jesus Christ, of course. The wisest man. Given wisdom, he wrote it down twice. Twice. He said, listen, this is important. A prudent man foresees the evil. He, get, uh, he sees, he assesses, and he makes a proper, uh, proper decision according to what he sees, and he hides himself, gets himself away from the evil. Proverbs 13 and verse 16 says, Every prudent man dealeth with knowledge. Part of the problem that why people can't make it through a fire, so to speak, in their life is because they don't have the knowledge or the proper assessment to deal with it. I mentioned this morning, I've got some young couples in my church that are struggling with some marriage uh, marriage issues. I mean, some serious marriage issues. I can't go into all the details uh, of that, but they're very serious. And some of their problem is simply they won't step back for a moment and assess the situation and stay calm in the situation and make a proper decision on what they're supposed to do. They just get worked up in the moment. They let the fire, so to speak, overwhelm them and overcome them and sometimes they get burnt a little bit within that situation so if we're going to make it through a blow-up we got to make a proper number one a proper assessment of the situation can i say this when we're talking about knowledge you need to get wisdom from above amen uh, you need to get wisdom from above. go to the word of god you say well i don't know what to do with this well god has an answer for everything I believe that there's safety, according to the scripture, safety in a multitude of counselors. Now, when I say that, you got to have wise counselors. If you go to Oprah to get your wise counsel, i got news for you. She's not going to help you. Um, if you uh, check with the White House, probably not going to get wise counsel from the White House there. Uh, if you check, uh, listen, if you check with most of the TV show hosts, you're not going to get good, wise counsel, because if you look at their life, most of their lives are a mess too. Uh, why would a drug addict uh, go to another drug addict uh, to find out what wise counsel on how to overcome an addiction would be? That's not the person you want. You want, you want somebody that's, listen, not in it. They've been through maybe the fire, but they can give wise counsel, right? Or somebody, somebody that's never even gone down that road and said, listen, here's what the Bible says. And so I always say, uh, the best person you can go to, first of all, is your pastor. You ought to go to your pastor when you you're, need a major decision, uh, you know, some wisdom on a major decision, uh, because he'll give you the scriptures on that thing. So make a proper assessment of the situation. Number two, number two is make sure your communication isn't broken. 
one of the things they learned in this fire is a different way with their radio systems to, to handle that when they're dropped in so they would never be broken again. Uh, it, right there and then, if they would have had their radios, their communication, they could have called for somebody to come in and pick them up. Are you listening to me? They could have called out and asked for help, but they couldn't. Their two-way radios were broken. Can I say that when you're in a pinch and you're in the heat and a blow-up happens, you don't want your communication with God broken. The Bible says in the book of Psalms, in Psalm 66, it says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. It doesn't say he might not hear me. It says he will not hear me. I don't know about you, but when the blow-up happens, uh, when, and I, did, I said when, I said when, not if, but when the blow-up happens. It's going to happen in our life somewhere along the way. Uh, when a blow-up happens, we want to have instant access to God. I don't want it to be that when a blow-up happens, that I get on my knees and pray, and it just get, hits the ceiling, and that's as far as it gets. I want God to be able to hear me. I want to be able to have an open communication with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because, listen, God's the one that's going to fix that thing. Don't you believe that? And so, listen, if you've got sin in your life, unconfessed sin, uh, it's not a small thing to say, well, that's not that big of a deal. Sin is a big deal, and it breaks our communication with the Lord. Hey, you sit up and listen, boy. You hear me? Okay? I don't want your mommy tapping the back of your head. You know better than that. Okay? And uh, I know you're trying to help him, but he needs something from daddy just for a moment there. And uh, make sure your communication isn't broken. Okay? The Bible says this in Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 29. It says, The Lord is far from the wicked. Far from the wicked. But he heareth the prayer of the righteous. Now, let me ask you a question tonight. If, you, if all of a sudden a blow-up happened tonight, I'm talking about tonight, could you get a hold of God? I mean, do you really believe that if you got a hold, you got down on your knees, and you began to beg, and you began to cry, and you began to weep, and you said, Lord, I need some help, would He hear you tonight? I don't know what's going on in your life, and I don't know what sin you might have in your life. You may not have any. You might be right with God. But if you're not, can I say something? At the end, we're going to have an invitation. Why don't you kneel at an old-fashioned altar tonight and get some things right with God? I'm not talking about confessing it to me. Listen, I'm not a confessional booth, and I'm not a, well, I am a, I am a priest in God's eyes. But listen, you don't come to this one. You come to the high priest, Jesus Christ. He's the one who can fix the thing. And so come and make sure that you have your, your communication in check, that it's not broken. You've got to have two-way communication. By the way, that means also in that two-way communication, not only are you speaking to God, but he's speaking to you. Right? Uh, not only do you get on your knees and you beg God and you seek God's face and you want God to hear you, but you also want to listen for his instructions. I always encourage people, the last thing you need to do when a blow-up happens is to get uh, get outside the Word of God. In fact, that's the time you get in it more, right? That's the time when you dig in it, dig in it deep. That's the time where you begin to read not just for 10 minutes or 15 minutes a day. I'm talking about hours in a day. That means you get maybe, uh, I have a Bluetooth device uh, that I put in my ear, and while I'm working, I listen to either preaching or I listen to the Word of God being read in my ear all day long while I'm working, unless I'm running a saw because I couldn't hear it anyway. 
And so I put my earplugs in for that. But if I'm just doing uh, some normal things, uh, I listen to preaching and I listen to the Word of God all day long. I don't listen to anything else. I don't listen to Fox News. I don't listen to a sports cast. I'm not saying uh, that it's bad or sinful to do those things. But I do know this. If I need help, I can't get it from ESPN. But I can get it from the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so i got to have two-way communication. I ought to be talking to him, and he has to be talking to me, speaking to me. And that's the way he communicates. He communicates through the Word of God. I've had people tell me, well, the Spirit told me this. The Holy Spirit led me this way. And I asked them, okay, what scripture do you have on that? And they say, I don't. And I say, the Holy Spirit didn't tell you a thing. Because the Bible says, uh, Jesus said, when the Comforter comes, when the Holy Spirit comes, He will guide you into all truth. Later, Jesus, in His high priestly prayer, He's praying for His disciples, and He says, sanctify them by Thy truth. Thy word is truth. That means the Spirit of God is going to guide us into truth. Well, what is that truth? The Word of God. He's always going to give Scripture. That's how He speaks. He doesn't speak of His own accord. Isn't that what Jesus said? He will not speak what he thinks. He will speak what the Father thinks. That's the word. And that's why we have this. And so the further you can get in the word of God and get that into your ear and be listening to that, listen to good Bible preaching. When you're in the middle of a, of a blow up, listen, you're praying and then he's talking to you and you'll, you'll find direction on what you're supposed to do. The Bible says in James 1.19, it says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Listen to what God is trying to tell you. Listen. Listen. Calm yourself for a moment. I find sometimes people come into my office and they want counsel. And man, they'll talk and they'll talk and they'll talk and I'll listen and I'll listen and I'll listen and then I'll begin to say something and they'll cut me off and begin to, I mean, not be trying to be rude to me, but they're just so worked up, they'll cut me off. And I'm thinking, if you would just be quiet just for a moment and listen and just listen, you might get help. You might get, I'm not trying to be mean about it. I'm just thinking, man, if they would just, well, there was a Radio Shack commercial way, way back in the day. How many of you know Radio Shack? Okay, like two of you, okay? They're like basically almost extinct now, okay? And, and they used to have the Radio Shack commercial. This is back when, way back in the day for me. Uh, they had this Radio Shack commercial, and sometimes they'd have a dog, picture of a dog with its ear like up here or something like that. And, and, uh, but they would, at the end of the commercial, they, the commercial would say, just shut up and listen. That's what they'd say. Now, I know some of you just said, he said, shut up from the pulpit. I was just quoting what they said. Uh, but uh, every once in a while, every once in a while, I would like to look at somebody and just say, would you just shut up and listen? And, uh, you know, I think sometimes God says that every once in a while, or at least thinks it. Would they just be quiet and listen to me? And hey, make sure, make sure your communication isn't broken. Proverbs eighteen thirteen says this: He that answereth a matter before he heareth it, it is folly and shame unto him. So make sure your communication isn't broken. What are you going to do in a blow up? Number one, you're going to make prop, proper assessment of the situation. Number two, you're going to make sure your communication isn't broken. Those are two things that we notice right away what they did. They flew around, they make proper assessment, and then their communication was broken. Since then, they learned that's not a good idea. They fixed that problem and made sure their communication wasn't broken. It would have saved their lives. By the way, there's some marriages that could be saved if they would just listen. There's some church members that could get that could be saved as far as their spiritual life. I'm not talking about get saved going to eternity. I'm just talking about it would save their spiritual life if they would listen. If they get on their knees and pray and beg God, 
it would help them. There's churches around this country that wouldn't fold during this year. They'll say, they say every year, every year in our country, uh, about four to 5,000 churches shut their doors never to open them again. Every day. Or is that every year? I'm sorry, every year. Every year, that's right, every year. I don't want to get a bad statistic. Some of you are going to be like, well, every day. I mean, no, we're not going to have any churches pretty soon. Every year. But hey, listen, we have less... We have, we have less Bible-believing, Bible-preaching churches today than we did 50, 60 years ago. That's the truth of it. And so, hey, listen, make sure, make sure your communication isn't broken. Number three, number three, make sure you stay with your leader. Make sure you stay with their, your leader. One of the things, the faults in, uh, of what they did, these men broke from their leader. When their leader said, come here, stay right here, they said, no, we're not stick, sticking with you. You're crazy. You're nuts. But can I say, listen, if you've got a spiritual leader, somebody that walks with God, stick around him because he's going to help you. He's going to help you through it. Uh, just stick around him. Uh, some of the people, you look at throughout the Old Testament, uh, people that, that succeeded and, and then those that failed, a lot of the people that succeeded stuck around somebody that walked with God. They stuck with their leader and they just stayed in with them, not because they were perfect, but they, because they knew they walked with God. They had some form of integrity and they said, hey, listen, we'll stick with that guy. And listen, they were blessed as a result and they went through things. They went through things. You know, I think about, uh, I think about Caleb uh, in the Old Testament uh, there. Hey, listen, you know what he did? He stuck around Moses and listened to Moses. And he stuck around the leadership, obeyed the leadership, and, and, and he went to the promised land. By the way, he kept sticking with his leader, and he had to wander just like everybody else did. But he made it to the other side because he stuck with his leader. Man, make sure you stay with your leader. Of course, the number one is the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, listen, you don't need to depart from the faith just because something bad happened. Uh, some people, sometimes they ask me, why would God let this happen in my life? Like I'm God and I can answer for him. You know, I can't answer for him. I can't tell him the exact reasons. I, I, I believe there's some principles that I can give him. Uh, but the fact is, is uh, God is good all the time. All, I mean, that's who he is. The Bible says in 1 John uh, chapter number 4 that God is love. It's not just an attribute he has. That's who he is. He is love. He's the very embodiment of love. I tell people all the time, they cannot love no no true love outside of knowing God. They have to know him. And so they might be able to get some attributes that he has, but they, they can't really know true love outside of God. He is love. And so listen, because he is love, can I say this? He always loves you. I know that seems obvious, but he always loves you. Uh, that means he always has the best intentions. That's why the Bible says all things work together uh, to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Why? Because God always has the best intentions for you and me. But make sure you stay with your leader. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 18, it says the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. What are they doing? Hey, the heat's on. Where do I go? To the Lord. He's a strong tower. Psalm 91 and verse 2, it says, I will say to the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In Him will I trust. In Isaiah chapter 26 and verses 3 and 4, it says, Thou will keep Him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because He trusteth in 
thee. That means they're staying with the leader. And then it says, trust ye in the Lord forever, for the, in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. He knows what he's doing. Stay with the leader. Proverbs chapter number 3 in verses 5 through 8. Now we know 5 and 6. Most of you could probably quote, quote it. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not, lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. We know those verses. And then it says this. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord. And depart from evil. Did you, did you hear that? He says, trust me. Don't lean to your own understanding. You don't need to think this through. What I'm telling you to do may not make sense. Uh, but trust me. Just trust me. Stay with me. I'm the leader. And then it says, it shall be health to thy navel and morrow to thy bones. In other words, listen. And the end of it, it's going to strengthen you. It's going to help you. Uh, you'll have the endurance to go through it. Uh, when you're in the middle of that blow-up. So number one, we looked at make sure that you uh, get proper assessment of the situation. Number two, make sure that your communication isn't broken. And number three, make sure that you stay with your leader. Make sure you stay with your leader. And again, and I, 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 no pastor, can I say this? No pastor is perfect. If you cut me tonight, guess what? I bleed red just like everybody else does. No pastor is perfect. But listen, if he's walking with God and you see the direction, I, th- here's how I here's how I assess people in ministries. And maybe some of you will take this tip and just take. I, I'm not concerned whether they cross their T and dot their I in the exact place that I do. I, I am concerned whether they cross their T or not, or dot their I. I look for the direction that they're going. You know, in the Bible it talks about uh, in Proverbs a woman. And it says, look at her feet. Why? Because you want to know which way they're pointed. Uh, If you go to Proverbs chapter number 7, it talks about there a woman that dressed in the attire of a harlot. Listen, she was a married woman. And the Bible says her feet abide not in her house. Everybody knew her reputation. Why? Because they knew the direction she was going. And so what I do is I look at it and I say, listen, if that person over there is trying to walk with God and they're having a real relationship with God and they're doing their best they can for the Lord and they're obeying his word, that's the person I want to hang out with. So stick with them. Stick with them. Uh, there's all kinds of spiritual leaders, quote, unquote, out there, but I'm looking for the ones that follow this book right here. Amen? And so stay with your leader. Don't, don't, don't just... Give out on that. Number four, and this will be this will be very important for you. Reduce the impact by starting your own fire. Reduce the impact by starting your own fire. So we're looking at what happens when a blow up takes place. Well, we're going to assess the situation, right? Make proper assessment. We're going to make sure that our communication is not broken. Okay, two way communication. We're speaking and we're listening. Two way communication. Number three, we're going to make sure that we stay with our leader. Okay? And then number four, to reduce the impact, we're going to start our own fire. Now, that sounds kind of ridiculous, doesn't it? But that's exactly what happened in the Mangold's fire. That's exactly what that Wegg Dodge did. He started his own fire, and I mentioned it before, they call it backburning. And now it's used, uh, it's used all over the United States uh, to stop fires, back burning. 
and they'll, they'll light a torch, they'll torch some stuff up. Why? It burns up the fuel. It causes it so that, that when that fire gets there, it doesn't have the fuel that uh, it would need to keep going, right? That's what it does. And so you say, well, what about my spiritual life? What do you mean by start your own fire to reduce the impact? Uh, I'm telling you that you ought to develop what is, I would call the spiritual art of backburning. Uh, when things are going bad and things are negative, the heat's on. Listen, uh, start your own fire of good works. Start your own fire. And, uh, you know, start something for the Lord. Do something for, for His glory. You know, if the devil's wanting to kick you in the teeth, say, listen, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to start my own fire. I'm going to show him what's up, right? And, uh, hey, if a marriage is on the rocks and they say, well, she's just being mean to me or he's just being obstinate or he's just, you know what they need to do? The first, uh, the one on the other side that's maybe getting the brunt of that, what they need to do to, to fix that problem or reduce the impact is they start their own fire. And their, their own fire is not this by calling the other one names because, uh, because that one's calling them names, right? What they do is they start to, uh, do good things for them. They start to do kind things for them. They start a, a, just a session of good works. They, they begin to uh, burn their own fire, start their own fire. In Titus chapter 2 and verse 14, the Bible says this, talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, who, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto uh, himself a peculiar people, listen to this, zealous, zealous of good works. What is that? A fire. Zealous, a fire, something burning in you. Uh, that's what, listen, that's what the prophet had, Jeremiah. Remember, uh, at one point he was so discouraged, he was so downtrodden, he said, listen, I'm not going to talk in your name anymore, Lord. I'm not going to do anything for you. Nobody will listen to uh, me anyway. And the Bible says, but he could not. He could not stay. Why? There was a fire that was shut up in his bones, and he could not stay. He had to go out and preach it. Everything was negative around him. He said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go start a fire for the Lord. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start a fire for the Lord. Galatians chapter 4 and verse 18 says this, but it is good to be zealously affected always in a good thing and not only when I am present with you. Romans chapter 12 and verses 17 through 21. Listen to this. Uh, It's an interesting passage. It says, recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. And then it says, if it be possible, as much life in you, live peaceably with all men. Now, it says as much life in you, sometimes it really isn't possible. Uh, But I think most of the time it is. Uh, It's not an out there. But listen to this. It says, dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves. That means if somebody's being spirited to you, uh, they've called you names. They've taken your name and drug it through the mud uh, somewhere along the lines. Uh, maybe they've caused a financial heartache. Uh, maybe they've caused uh, just almost uh, an irreparable damage, it seems like, of trust or something like that. And you're saying, man, I wish I could get back at them for what they did to me. The Bible says, don't avenge yourselves. Avenge not yourselves. Uh, but it says, listen, listen to this, it says, but rather give place under wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will pay, saith the Lord. Nobody gets away with their sin. Listen to me, nobody gets away with stuff. Uh, I hear people say, well, it's under the blood and it's under grace. Yeah, it's under grace. They don't have to pay for their sin. They get eternal life, but they're still going to have to answer to Jesus. He's still the judge. He's still the judge. Verse number 20, then it says this, Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirsts, give him drink. For in doing so, thou shalt heat coals of fire upon his head. Now, some people think, yeah, coals of fire. I'd like to see that drop on their head, right? 
Light them up, Lord. That's not what it's talking about. In the, in the Old Testament, especially or during those times, uh, when they're talking about heaping coals of fire on their head, uh, they would, they would go to somebody's house and, it, and as an act of kindness, if somebody was without heat, they would give them coals and they would have a container they would put in and that's how they carried them. What he's saying is heap good things on them. Give them, give them something that'll warm them up. They're cold to you. They're indifferent to you. Give them something that'll warm them up from the inside out. Okay, give them something like that. Then it says this, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. You know what God said? Start your own fire. Start your own fire. Somebody's being uh, mean to you at work. Hey, start your own fire. We got young people in here that have brothers and sisters and those types of things. You got one that's being just cantankerous with you, you know, just always in your ear or something like that. Or, you know, maybe they physically do stuff. Maybe they bite you or things like that. Uh, I don't know. But listen, how do you fix that or how do you reduce the impact of it? Be kind to them. Be kind to them. Well, I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to give them one. You know, that's what they need. No. Give them something else, Right? Give them something else. Reduce the impact by starting your own fire. And then number five really has three points to it, but we'll be done here very shortly. And here's the last thing. Get down, get covered, and then get delivered. That's all three points that wrap up everything. Remember in, the, in this story, Wag Dodge, when this fire blew up, they began to go up the hill. He called to his men, uh, and they would not listen to him. He started his own fire, and then the, what he did is once that fire burned, he, the, the, the coals that were below him, the embers that were below him, he stamped all those out, uh, rubbed them down. Then he took a wet cloth, he had some water with him, took this cloth and doused it with water, covered his, his neck, his head, his face with that, and then he took his, his coat, his big heavy coat, and he covered himself with that all the way over, and he got as low to the ground as he possibly could, and when the fire swept through, he was delivered from the fire. Can I say, uh, with that, let's just take that illustration. So if you're going to get past it, if you're going to get through a blow-up, number one, get down there. Get down. Get as, as low as you can. Get as humble as you can before the Lord. There's no room for pride in a blow-up. There's no room for pride. The Bible says in Genesis 17 concerning Abraham, it says that Abraham fell on his face. And then it says, and God talked to him. Did you hear me? He fell on his face. Then God talked to him. In Joshua chapter number 5, there uh, appears to him the captain of the host of the Lord. And listen to what it says. And he said, Nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said to him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? You remember, hey, listen, Joshua was the leader of Israel. But when he met the captain of the host, he got down and said, Hey, listen, I'm nothing. I'm nothing. Get as low as you can before the Lord. Listen, squelch all the pride out of there. Get it as far away from you as possible. Matthew chapter 17 and verses 5 and 6. Listen to this. While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. Well, we understand what took place there. Uh, God, speak, God the Father speaks out of that cloud and says, this is my son. He's got his disciples uh, next to him. And when the disciples heard it, here's what they do. They fell on their face and were sore afraid. They got low. They got low. In Matthew chapter 26, 
and verse 39. This is the Lord Jesus Christ now. This is, he's coming to the end. He's coming, I mean, it's the Passion Week. It's coming to the end where he's going to be crucified. And he enters into that garden to pray. And the Bible says he went a little further. And he fell on his face and prayed saying, O Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. You know what Jesus did right there? He gave an example of getting as low as possible. As low as possible. Get down. Get on your knees. And then, number two, underneath that I said, get covered. Get covered. So get down, get covered. Psalm 61 and verse 3 and 4, the Bible says, For thou hast been a shelter for me, and a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings. Cover. Cover. Illustration there. Of course, it's referenced also in the New Testament in Matthew chapter 23 when Jesus goes by and he looks at Jerusalem. He says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem. He's weeping. He says, Thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which were sent unto thee. How often would I have gathered thee or gathered thy children together, I'm sorry, gathered thy children together as a hen gathereth her chickens. Where does she gather them? The Bible says they're under her wings. Now, I'm not a farm person. I didn't grow up on a farm. But I, I've, I've watched some things on, on, on about farms, and I've been on farms. I've seen some things. And... Uh, it's amazing what that hen will do with her little chicks. And if she sees danger, maybe it's a chicken hawk circling around looking to pick off one of her little ones. She'll give a certain type of cluck. I don't know what it says uh, because I don't speak chicken. And, uh, but, so I don't know what it says. But those little, those little chicks do. And they'll come roaming to mama, and, and they come in, and she... She gets up and she gets her wings all spread out and they come huddled next to her and then she just and covers them. It is said uh, that through tornadoes and things like that, they've made that cluck and they've come and they've covered and they've found, they've found those chicks underneath her and the tornado come right over the top. It's amazing. The covert of the wings. The place you need to go when the blow-up happens is Jesus. Get covered. Plead the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ on yourself and on your family. Uh, maybe the situation uh, that's taking place. Whatever's happening that's causing that blow up. Hey, listen. Get it covered. Get it covered. Rest underneath there. Hey, listen. Those chicks, those chicks don't come out from underneath those wings until mama says it's okay. Uh, you know, it's funny, we, we humans, we think we know better than God sometimes. And I don't know about you, but I'm like one of those people, you know, I'm always curious about stuff. Anybody else get curious? And, and so, you know, the storm's happening or whatever, and, and, and you think, okay, I'm supposed to be here, and I'm not supposed to do anything, but you're curious. What does that look like? Uh, when I was at Bible college, the first year I was there, uh, I saw something that I'd never seen before. Uh, being from Montana, especially that western side of Montana, you see high winds, but you don't see anything that's, that's 
anything like a tornado except for what I call a dust devil, right? You see that spinning around, and that's the closest thing I've seen to a tornado. But while I was in Tennessee, uh, I was on the off-campus section where the, the guys are housed, and there's a place called, and they're called the Lodge. It's kind of the centerpiece uh, on the campus, that off-campus there. And I was up there for summer classes and things, and uh, I was up uh, in one of the rooms on the top, and I looked out the window, and the sky had turned this, like, greenish color. Well, i never seen that before. Like, the sky is turning green. You know, I've seen oranges, and I've seen, you know, purples and things like that. But I've never seen it turn green like that. And when it turned green, I saw some things start moving, and, and I was like, is the rapture happening? I'm serious. I'm, I, thought, I thought it was a rapture. I'm like, all right, is this? I mean, I thought, wait a minute, it's supposed to be in the, you know, in the twinkling of an eye, and I'm still here, you know, it can't be the rapture. But I didn't know what was going on. Pretty soon somebody come running up uh, the stairs and into my room and said, hey, a tornado's happening, and uh, you, we need to all come down in the middle. We need to get in this spot here, and we just need to sit there. Okay, and, uh, and so we run down there, and I'm sitting down there, and there's part of me, while things are going on, that I'm thinking, can I go look outside? I've never seen this before. Uh, this would be kind of neat. And then my other part of my mind said, yeah, you'll go out there and the thing would touch down right on top of you and throw you, you know, uh, 300 yards away or something like that. Or maybe throw me right into the president's office and he could look at me and say, why are you so dumb? And uh, anyway, and so, no, uh, <clears throat> uh, but I was, I was curious. And th- by the way, that's our nature is to get out from underneath the cover before time. But just listen, we get antsy. We want to move. We want to go. We want to see. We want to solve. Sometimes you just need to get down and get covered and just stay there for a while. Amen? It's good for you. And then you'll get delivered. You'll get delivered. That's the positive aspect of this. You'll get delivered. Remember, Wag Dodge, he did all of those things, and he came out alive. He came out alive. In Psalm 32 and verse 7, it says, Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Did you catch that? That's a promise. Thou shalt compass me about with the songs of deliverance. For time's sake tonight, I'm not going to read it, but go and read sometime Psalm 18, verses 1 through 17. Just read it. And he'll talk, the psalmist will talk about how God is his rock and his fortress and all those types of things. But then he'll talk about his enemy. And he'll talk about his hurt and his pain. I mean, he goes in great detail about it. And then he talks about how God and how mighty he is and all those types of things. And here's what it says right at the very end there of those verses that I gave you. Verse 17, it says this, He delivered me from mine enemy. He delivered me. Sometimes... The devil is just going to pick on you. Can I say that? And he's going to cause a stir, but he's going to cause more than a stir. Sometimes he's just going to blow some stuff up. Get down, get covered, and let God deliver you. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. I'll end with these verses. The Bible says, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had power over death, that is the devil, and to deliver them, who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. He said, I'll just deliver them from that bondage. Isn't God good? Now, I give that to you. Now, I don't know if you even have a, 
a fire burning right now. I don't know if some stuff is blown up. I have no. Listen, I'm from Montana. You know that. I don't pastor this church. But I do know this. No matter where I go and no matter who I preach to, there's hurting people. And sometimes there's a fire brewing. And sometimes it blows up real big. And they need some help. What I want to do tonight is give you something that would help you. You say, well, I'm not there yet. You might be in the future. I'm not wishing that on you, but you might need what I just said. Also, I always encourage people with this. You might not be going through it, but you might know somebody who's going through it. And they need somebody to come alongside and say, here's a recipe that will help you get through this blow up. Sometimes we don't know what to say. I've just given you some things you could probably help somebody with. I hope it's a blessing tonight.